0: From the studios of One Jack's Productions, this is The Revealing, a ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. If you got your Bibles, <laughs> you all know what I'm going to say, right? You got yourself a good thing. You got the Word of God in your hands, amen? I don't know that there's anything more valuable on this planet than that, uh, and, I, and I mean that. Um, so... We're going to be in Exodus 30, Uh, if you want to get your way over there, uh, we'll be uh, talking about that. And listen, I'm just going to be straightforward and just right up front, right off the bat. Uh, Usually, uh, I I prepare our message uh, for the week on Monday, which I did. By Tuesday, I have most of everything I'm ready to, uh, uh, to, uh, to preach about done. Uh, I have my notes done, I have uh, PowerPoint done, all that good stuff. D- just to give you an idea of how off I am this week because of what, you know going to Pigeon Forge for the Wedding uh, Wedstrong. I didn't even send the notes to Ray. I thought about that last night at like midnight, I'm like, I didn't even send the notes to Ray, did I? And I went back in my emails, and I'm like, nope, I didn't, I'm not going to send them now because I know Ray, he'll get up early and go do it. So I wanted to save Ray because <laughs> I know how Ray is, man, he'll, 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 get you, he'll get it done if he has to get it done. Uh, So I didn't want to pester him. So you don't have any notes this morning. That's my fault. Uh, This week is just off. And usually, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like I was telling Chris on the way over, I'm like, I probably should have had Robert preach this week. I probably should have. In in hindsight, um, I just really wanted to make sure we got through the tabernacle part of it. And I just didn't think Robert, no, I'm joking. I just didn't, honestly, I didn't even think about it. But I really like, yeah, well, I already know what he does to John. I already heard what he does to John. So he, John gets one thing messed up in a message. He's got to write the whole, the whole, uh, the whole uh, uh, passage down. I like that. Actually, I'm going to use that. Justin, you ready? <laughs> Jim, you too, both of you. I'm going to get on you guys. All right, listen. So seriously, honestly, I say this to say, uh, man, I just, I don't know why I just don't feel as prepared this morning as I normally am. Uh, So if I say something stupid, just let it go in one ear and out the other and move on. We'll move on. Uh, But I did say something stupid last week that I do want to make uh, uh, a mention of. I said the love of money is the root of all evil. Is that what I said? Or the love of money is, what did I say? Money is the root of all evil. evil. I didn't say the love of money. It's the love of, money's not evil. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. I I made a a boo-boo and uh, I need to correct myself. Uh, because I am certainly not above God's word. And uh, if I make a boo-boo, I gotta, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta own up to it. And I made one. So uh, I want y'all to know that. Um, so, Wedstrong, man, <laughs> tell you that trotter, <laughs> he gets me every time, man, I just don't get it. Uh, we've been, li- you know, I've been listening to his uh, stuff on, on marriage now for five years Uh, Maybe more than that, Uh, I thought I heard every angle that I could, uh, but man, he just goes to the same passages and starts pulling out new stuff, and you're like, what is going on right now? Uh, But man, uh, listen, uh, here's the thing I'm going to say to you. Whether you're married or not, listen to what I'm about to say. Marriage is a picture of Christ in the church, okay? Ephesians 5 is very clear on that. And if you didn't know that, we're getting into that next month. We're getting into Ephesians. You're going to know that. Um, and you're really going to see uh, that fleshed out biblically. But but I want to say this. So with that being said, God is the divine architect of marriage. So if anybody is going to know what a marriage should look like and what the purpose of marriage is and the point of marriage and, and how a marriage is going to work, how marriage is going to fail... Uh, i got to say, I believe God's the one that got sat down, down pretty good, okay? He's the one that created marriage in the first place, and, and he's the one that put the, the purpose behind what marriage is. And I'm not so sure, I'm not so sure many Christians today really understand what a biblical marriage is. I really, I, I'm being serious. And the reason why I say that is because, and not that I'm the I'm not even sure I still get what marriage is supposed to be because every time I go listen to Trotter, he pulls something else that I'm like, man, wow. But here's the thing that I really love about it. Obviously, obviously, there are valuable lessons to learn in my own marriage with my wife. I learned just how short she comes to meeting, I'm I'm joking, I'm joking. I learned how short I come to meeting my role of 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 a, of a husband, um, but here's the thing now, whether you're married or not, do remember what it pictures, and ultimately that's why God created marriage in the first place. Because before the foundation of the world, the Lamb was there, and He already prepared the Lamb. So everything He does within Scripture. Don't miss this point because I think it's important. Everything God lays out in scripture will always, always, always point to Christ. Do you understand that? Everything points to Christ because the volume of the book was written of him. Okay, so so everything does. So obviously this whole idea of marriage, uh, it wasn't just for the the man and the woman physically, okay, the whole idea of marriage pictures the church. So everything and all the things that you can learn uh, from uh, the Bible about marriage, listen, you absolutely 100% can apply every single one of those things to how we are related in the church to him. And man, I'm telling you, I don't care if you're married or if you're not. The lessons are valuable, very valuable. Uh, To the point, uh, again, I say, I'm just not so sure. And just hear my heart on this. I'm just not so sure here in America we do church right. You see what I'm saying? I'm just not so sure we do, man. I think we got a lot of things messed up, a lot of things. Uh, that doesn't mean that we're "quote unquote" failing, uh, but it does mean. Listen, if you if you have a problem in your marriage and you don't fix that problem, it eventually is going to flesh itself out, right? It's eventually going to bring us come to the surface and be a problem. Well, you don't think this is the same truth in in, in the church? We have a problem. We ain't fixing it. There's going to be consequences for that. Now, whether those consequences are on this side or on the other side, I, I guess we'll find out, but um, anyways, uh, man, uh, good time, good to see all, all the guys again, and, and all. got to hang out with some of our uh, Rochester uh, Rochesterians, um, man, people I haven't seen in, honestly, since I left, so eight, nine years ago. Um, so that was great, trying to recruit them to Jacksonville, we'll see how that works out. Um, I think we got a shot at one couple, I think, I think, we'll see. The other ones I think are going to be pagans and stay in North Carolina, but uh, no, I'm just joking. Uh, great, great, great folks, man. Uh, just remember uh, one, of, one, of the, uh, one of the couples, uh, his, his wife, uh, uh, she sat next to me during, our, uh, during uh, a lot of our classes in, in when I was in the Institute. And I only mentioned that because I could just kind of tell that she was on fire for the Lord, you know, you kind of pick up on stuff like that. And, uh, man, um, just good time catching up with all those folks, good time catching up with uh, Billy. Billy decided at about 11.30 at night it would be a good idea if we started singing songs um, in the foyer so that everybody in the whole hotel could stay up all night and listen to us if you were on the first floor. So if you are on the first floor, you got a nice little, uh, no, it was, it was fun. It was fun for sure. One gentleman, uh, man, he can sing loud too. <laughs> It wasn't just singing, he was singing loud. Uh, it was funny, I was laying, I was laying in my bed um, just trying to take a nap or whatever. And, and, and so if, you, if the hotel, what you gotta understand is, okay, there's like this foyer, right? And on this foyer is where some of the rooms are. And then you go down the stairs and then there's a, uh, a lobby, right? And there's seats all around the fireplace. Well, Billy's sitting in the, sitting in the, the lobby having a conversation, I'm in my bed and I could hear everything he's saying. Full out conversation, heard the whole thing. I was like, okay, well, I may as well just go down there and hang out with him because I know everything he's saying. <laughs> uh, it's a good thing he wasn't talking about me because I would've heard it. Uh, but no, it was, a, it was a good time. Listen, honestly, I, I, I just want to encourage y'all. I don't care if you're married or not. It's worthy of going. It really is. Uh, we had well over 500 people this year. They did a great job of keeping everybody safe. Sanitizing everything, and I get all that, uh, but they really did a great job of that, uh, and uh, it was a uh, it was a good time for sure. And man, we are gonna get those those folks down here to sing. Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, we, they're coming. I'm 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 I'm, I'm gonna get the, I'm gonna get them. I'm gonna have to. The only the only problem is he's from Cleveland. I uh, have a talk with him about that. Uh, anyways, all right. So we've been talking about. Um, the tabernacle, as you can see on the board. And again, uh, I just want to reiterate, the reason why we've been talking about it is because we finished the book of Acts, uh, and that brought us to Paul in prison in Rome. And he's going to write uh, some, uh, what they call affectionately, the prison epistles. These are epistles that he wrote while he was in Rome. And the one we're coming to now, the very next book that gets written uh, in the New Testament is the book of Ephesians. And, you know, man, we're talking about this thing of the church. Uh, Man, uh, you know, if we want to understand the church, that's where you go. You go to the book of Ephesians. You don't go back to Acts chapter two. You're going to get messed up in Acts chapter two. You go to Ephesians. That's where the mystery is revealed. Uh, And so uh, we're going to spend some time uh, in Ephesians without any question. And and what what I mean by that is we're probably really not going to go to any other books after that. And the reason why I say that is because by the time we're done with Ephesians, we'll have gone to all the other books. Because all the other books really kind of build on Ephesians, uh, if you will. Uh, they're, They're blocks are put on the base of the foundation of Ephesians, and so you'll see that once we get there. But so with that being said, we're going to be in Ephesians for a while. Just so y'all, okay, we're going to probably spend quite, quite some time in Ephesians. Um, but for to get to really understand what it is Paul's saying, to really grab onto um, uh, what uh, the Spirit of God inspired him to write, man, I'm telling you, we got to get this thing of the tabernacle down because he is making mention of it. Many times you don't even realize it unless you understand the tabernacle. And uh, so I just thought that, man, let's take some time to really look at this tabernacle. Now, we aren't getting into as deep as we could get into this. Uh, I promise you, we could be spending a couple, two, three years just in the tabernacle if we wanted to. Um, We're not doing that, obviously, but I do want to give you enough that when we're in Ephesians and we start jumping around to some other books that Paul and John and Peter and and those boys there wrote, you're going to go, oh my gosh, I never saw that before. How crazy is that? And then all of a sudden you're going to go, okay, I know exactly what he's talking about now. And then you're going to go, and I can't believe how many people done mess this up. And that's what the Bible does. The Bible is the final word. Is it not? It's the authority. It's the final word. I'm not the authority. Okay, the, the, the church down the street is not the authority. The famous pastor on the radio station is not the authority. I didn't write this. God did. And he has the final word. And we just got to get to the place where, Instead of putting our trust in a person or a church, we put our trust, yes, in a person, but that person can only be him. He is the Word of God. Amen? Okay, so with all that being said, uh, we've really got to get this tabernacle thing down because it's going to do us a great good moving into uh, the book of Ephesians, for sure, and obviously, like I said, uh, many other New Testament books. So, so we've kind of been looking at this thing, and, you know, today, we come to, uh, right before the, the veil, uh, we come to the altar of incense. And this is kind of a big one. Uh, it really, they're all big ones. They, they all are important for their own reasons, uh, obviously, because they all speak of Christ, Okay, uh, everything in that tabernacle spoke of Christ. It all did. And we've kind of been really hammering uh, uh, all of it uh, for sure. Um, you know, as you first walk into that tabernacle, you come to that altar of sacrifice. And obviously there were five different altars offerings that were done on that uh, altar, uh, and, and, and I wanted to make sure, and we noted in the book of Leviticus, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, uh, and 5, uh, note uh, that there are five. There's the burnt offering, there's the fruit offering, there's the peace offering, there's the uh, 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 sin offering, and then, of course, there is the trespass offering, and, and, and as I told you all, listen, every single one of them are important. There's not one above the other. We, we run to the sin offering. That's what I think has happened in, in many uh, churches today. We run to the sin offering, but we forget the other four. And that's, I think that's dangerous ground because all five of them are important. They all work in conjunction with one another okay? And so it's very important to understand all five of them. And Paul mentions all five of them. So if Paul mentions all five of them, he's putting a premium on all five, uh, of course. And so just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, you say, well, when we're done with the tabernacle, we're not going to come back. to it. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> we're not going to be done with the tabernacle. We're going to be coming back to it a lot. And uh, hence the reason why we're doing what we're doing, okay? Uh, so if, if 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 you missed any of that, don't worry. You're going to get caught up because once we get into those uh, New Testament epistles, uh, we're going to be referring back to it quite a bit. Uh, but okay, so once you're done with that altar of sacrifice, and this is where, of course, you 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 sacrifice the animal, okay, uh, as a replacement for your sin. You put your hand on that animal. Uh, transferring uh signifying a transferring of sin on the animal but of course we know in hebrews that the blood of goats and calves don't take away sin it was just a let's use the biblical word what's the biblical word it was a simulatoo good what is a similitude? now whoever said it <laughs> it's a picture that's what a similitude is. It's a picture of something. It, 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 it represents something. And listen, God doesn't do anything by accident. If he wants us to understand a replication of something, we better understand it because it means something. Yes, no doubt about it. We don't go to no altar of sacrifice with an animal and start sacrificing animals today. None of the, that was all a physical thing back in that tabernacle. However, however we're clearly told in the New Testament that there's a spiritual application to it all. And let's not miss those points. So once we're done with the altar of sacrifice, we go to that laver of washing. And in that laver of washing, again, we talked about Ephesians 5, where it talks about how the, the, the word of God uh, represents a, a cleansing agent. It is the washing of the water of the word. It, you need to put your face in the mirror, right? It was a big laver that had water in it. And what do you see when you put your face in the mirror? You. And the point is, is okay, before you enter into my tabernacle, you better get yourself right. Better look at yourself in the mirror and you better get yourself right. Yeah, I took care of your spiritual condition on that Alter, but now you need to take care of your physical condition, your flesh, by looking, see, we get, we get this all messed up, man. We think Jesus just, just took care of everything. And he did, okay? But don't stop there. There is still expectations upon us. There is still a, you know, we need to cleanse our own selves. Is that not what 2 Corinthians 7.1 says? Or is it First Corinthians one? 1 Corinthians 7.1. We need to cleanse our own selves, okay? We need to uh, uh, have an active uh, 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 part in this. There's a reason why Jesus says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Because we need to sacrifice our flesh on that cross with him because if we don't, we will live by the flesh okay? And he clearly wants us to walk in the spirit. That all starts at the labor of washing. Well, once you get done with that labor of washing, you enter into the tabernacle. And like I told you, now remember, they didn't have electricity back then, right? They didn't go flip on the light switch and boom, everything would let, no. That curtain closed behind you, what could you see? Nada, nothing. So you have a choice to make now. In, in memory, when you walked in, you remember, well, there's a there's a thing over there that lights things up. And then there's a table over there that's got some bread on it. So where should I go first? And what, what, what have I told you? Here's, here's where a lot of folks, unfortunately, get messed up. They just do. Because what they do is they don't go over to the left to light the place up so they can see everything. They go to the right. And, and what, does, what, what are we talking about? Well, to the left is the menorah. That's where you took the oil, which represents all through the Bible, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and, and you light light the path to my feet. Right? You light it. He's divine. We're the branches. We can do nothing without him. We light that menorah, it lights up, and now it illuminates. Hello, Ephesians chapter one. It illuminates. Our eyes, except the man be born again, he cannot, okay? It illuminates us so that we can see everything now that we couldn't see before because when we walked in there, we were in darkness. Who's the one that lights us up? It's the Holy Ghost. That's who lights us up. That's why we need his presence in us because if his presence isn't in us, guess what we're going to walk by? The flesh, Right? Okay, we got this thing lit now. Now we can see everything. What's over on the other side? Where's the next place we're supposed to go to? The table of showbread. And it's ordered in such a way that there were six pieces of bread on top of each other side by side. And you go, well, what's that? And and yes, the answer to this question is yes, yes, and yes. Does it represent the twelve tribes of Israel? Yes. Does it represent the twelve apostles? Yes. Does it represent the word of God? Yes. How many books are in your Bible? It's almost like God was saying, "Hey, there's sixty-six of them. There they are, right there. See, sixty-six. Don't add to my word. Don't take to my word. Okay." And, and, and he lay, And obviously, we're, we're, we're told how the bread represents the word of God many times in our in our uh, uh, Bible. And what I told us, and, 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 and what we need to listen to is, again, go back to that picture now. When we first walk in, it's dark. Unfortunately, what many people do is they head over to the table of showbread, the Word of God, without ever getting lit up by the Holy Ghost. And you know what's gonna happen then? Well, you're gonna start interpreting the Bible what you think it says. You're gonna start saying, that, and I'm telling you, man, that's where we are today as a church. We got a lot of stuff getting taught at, at pulpits that just is not the Word of God. It, it, it is, but it's wrongly divided, wrongly interpreted, wrongly placed, and there's a whole lot of people done messed up because of it. And I'm gonna, I'm going to say, with authority by the God, by the by the Word of God, I'm gonna say this. I went to that table of showbread before I ever went to. Like that menorah. You gotta get lit up by the Holy Spirit before you come to. I mean, I'm preaching 1 Corinthians 2 right now. You gotta go to the menorah. You gotta get lit up first by the Holy Ghost, because He's the one, John 16, that's gonna teach us and bring to remembrance all things. You walk over here, first of all, you're still in the what? Nothing's been lit up. You're still walking in darkness. And so what do you think is going to come out of the other side? All right. We got all that now. Okay. Let's, let's head to the, uh, the, the altar of incense. Now listen. I'm going to be straightforward with you right now, and I'm going to tell you, some of you folks aren't going to like what I'm about to say. It ain't going to ring very well to you. You're going to kind of question even what I'm going to say. But I'm going to tell you that what I'm about to say there's no question in my mind I can back it up with scripture. All right? So if you want to get mad at me, that's fine. That's cool. I got no problem with that. I'm a, I don't mind being a punching board. I'm a pretty good one, okay? But I'm telling you that what I'm going to say is biblically true. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about it then. Let's let's just, I got that out there. So listen. You get lit up over to the altar, or I mean the, uh, the table of showbread. You got now the word of God in you, okay? What if I walked into that thing and I went straight for the altar of incense? Do you think that, do you, do you think that God's going to have a problem with that? And can I just tell you? That's what most of us do. Most of us just head right for the altar of incense. And the reason why I know that, and the reason why I, I, I can, can, can say emphatically that's true, because I hear what we pray about. And when you listen to somebody pray, and I'm, I'm not trying to say don't pray. What I'm saying is, but learn how to pray properly. There's a reason why Paul says in Romans 8 that the Spirit intercedes for us because we do not know what to pray for. You want to know why we don't know what to pray for? Because we don't have God's Word in us. We don't know what His will is. And so therefore, what we are praying for is for me. It's all about me. What the lighting of the menorah And what the table of showbread, and what the altar of sacrifice, and what the washing of the uh, the laver should have told you is by the time you got to that altar of incense, because remember, you get to that altar of incense, there's a big. There, see it? Imagine, I can't walk in front of the speaker. Imagine a table right here, okay? Here's your veil. What's behind this baby? That's the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy. Who's who's there? That's God. This is the last place you go before you come in the presence of Almighty God. And if you go back to that Old Testament, nobody, zero, nothing was allowed behind that tent. Only one time a year, someone could go there. And that one time a year, the one person who could go there was a high priest. And by the way, before he went there, you want to know what he had to do? Not only did he have to be clean and pure, he had to take blood and he had to put it on all the other articles of the tabernacle, including the altar of incense. Okay? Now, we're going to talk about that veil and the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat next week. Praise the Lord. When Jesus died on the cross, he tore down that veil. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And there's a lot of significance to that. And we'll talk about that next week. But don't miss this. Don't you dare come to that altar of incense. Not proper. Don't do it. Because if you do, can I just say it as simply as I can? Now, here's where people are going to get a little mad. God don't hear it. God hears all our prayers. No, he does not. The Bible's clear on that subject. I don't know what people are thinking, but I mean, David said it, Paul said it, Peter said it. I mean, it's, it's clear as day. No, he's only going to hear our prayers when our prayers are in accordance to his will. Can I say it this way? well, why didn't God answer my prayer? He probably didn't answer your prayer because he's not obligated to. He's only obligated to answer your prayer according to his will. We got this prayer thing done messed up in the church today. We just do. We don't know how we ought to pray. And and so that's what this altar of incense is all about. Let me just kind of give you some things here and uh, we'll... Uh, we'll uh, Give some application, and then we'll be done. Look at Exodus chapter thirty. Let's kind of get the the, the feel for this thing real quick. Um, of course, Genesis thirty is not going to help me very much unless I wanted to talk about Rachel, um, which that would be a nice story too, but it's just not the story we want right now. Exodus thirty. Okay, here we go. Uh, verse one, and thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon of shittim wood shalt thou make it. A cubit shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof. Four square shall it be, and two cubits shall be the height thereof. The horns thereof shall be of the same. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof, and the sides thereof, round about, and the horns thereof. And thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold, round about it. You think God's got something special about this thing? And two golden rings shalt thou make it unto the crown of it, by the two corners thereof, upon the two sides of, of it shalt thou make it, and they shall be for the places, uh, for the staves to bear it withal. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood and the overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the, uh, of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with thee. And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense, every did y'all ever pay attention to when Jesus prayed the most? You have to wonder why that was. Now, I'm not saying you can't pray in the afternoon or in the evening. I'm not saying that at all. I do think it's interesting. There's something about that morning uh, that that, that uh, just has a special meaning to it in the Bible. And he says, uh, when, the, when, when he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord, throughout your generations. Man, if I had a pen, I'd underline what he says right here. You shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall you pour drink offering thereon. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin of offering of atonement. Once in the year shall he make atonement upon it throughout the generations. I'd probably underline that too. And it is most holy unto the Lord. Listen, this altar uh, of incense was the primary way uh, uh, that uh, God... Is it the way God communicated with them? You have to understand what prayer is. Okay? Does God communicate to us through prayer? No. How does God communicate to us? Okay? What is prayer then? It's how we communicate with him. It's his door to communicate with him. Okay? Okay? Now, if you want to argue that, I would highly suggest you start reading prayer passages in the Bible and see where he's communicating to us through prayer. He's not. We have a book. We have a word. Because listen, if he communicated to us through prayer, just think about it logically. If he communicated through us through prayer, well, what if he tells me something that's contrary to the book? Now what? Because how many times do you hear stuff like that? Listen, I was involved in talking about marriage. I was involved in marriage uh, uh, counseling for quite some time. Do you know how many times I heard the man or the woman go, well, you know, I just, I just went to the prayer on that and God told me it's okay, I get divorced. What? No, God did not tell you it was okay. I promise you that. Well, yeah, see, I went to prayer, he told me. Oh, okay. Listen, that's the problem with prayer. The problem with prayer is that we are going to be so self-focused that we're going to be missing what God really wants, okay? And when you go to this altar of incense, we need to make sure, because listen, you can bring, as it says here, a wrong what? You can bring wrong incense, man. And if you bring wrong incense, hence the reason why Paul has to say over there in Romans chapter 8, you don't know what to pray for. That's why he needs to intercede for us. Okay. What is the ramifications of that? <laughs> Honestly, I'm just going to. I don't know what the ramifications are. I don't know. I know that those two boys over there brought some wrong incense and they died. You know, I, I can't tell you what the what the with the what the ramifications of it are. All I can tell you is. Uh, the, the, the emphasis that God's putting around this thing and the importance of prayer, what it represents and how we need to make sure we're praying according to his will. And I'm gonna show you that here before we're done. God's primary desire through this altar of incense, uh, of course, as he ends right there in chapter 10, because his primary desire with all of the articles of the tabernacle is that we would be holy, holy. That's the, that's the primary point of all of this stuff, because guess who else is holy? Be ye holy. I am. I like that, because who else is the great I am? Be holy, because I am holy. And you want to know where this tabernacle is today? If you're a Christian, in you. It's in me. Be holy, as I am Holy. That's what all of this was about. And can I just say this? Okay, so God wants us to be holy on the altar of sacrifice. He wants us to come to his holy word. He wants us to get lit up by his Holy Spirit. He, he wants all that. Wait, what, now all of a sudden prayer? All of a sudden, now all of a sudden we don't, we're don't we not holy anymore about that? No. No. I would say turn the volume up. He speaks a lot about prayer in the Bible, does he not? Turn the volume up and get this thing right. He wants his people to be holy. The point he's trying to make is, and let's be honest, because Jesus talks about this in, in, in John, uh, Matthew 6, a lot of our prayers can be what? Repetitious. Right? And what does he say? Don't simply go through the motions. You are talking to the holy God of the universe. This thing of prayer is not just some small thing. Robert has tried to do time and time again stuff to work with this church in prayer. Jim does the all-night prayer thing, okay? And I'm just telling you, some of us, man, we don't take this prayer thing very seriously, but I promise you God does. He absolutely does. Here's your line. Listen, what's he trying to do? He's trying to pave the way for us to have fellowship with him again. We lost that fellowship, right? In the garden. He, he, he's, all of this is his uh, fixing of our problem. We don't have fellowship with God, okay? And, and listen, but, but listen, if we're gonna have fellowship with God, if we're gonna have a. Salvation's not about a place. We got that wrong, man. We just think get our ticket punched. Wait a minute, man. No. God doesn't want you just to get your ticket punched. That's just that, that's Ephesians 2.8 and 9. What God wants and the whole point of getting your ticket punched is so that you can do Ephesians 2.10. Be his workmanship created unto Christ Jesus unto good works. That, we have a job to do. We are ambassadors. All of us have a job of the ministry of reconciliation. It's not just me as the pastor. It's all of us have that job. We need to learn how to be what God has called us to be to do what our mission was in Genesis. Adam failed. Are we going to fail the mission too? What is the mission? create other sons of God, who will do what? Build themselves up to go create other sons of God because that's how God gets his, because that's the purpose of the church. That's it. We got this all messed up. We think the purpose of the church is us. And so you don't want to know what happens in our prayers. It's subtle, man. It's subtle, but we make them about us. And I wanna I wanna show you some things here. Check out Isaiah 113. I'm pretty sure I got it on the board. Right? There we go. Look, look what God says here. Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies. You know what we're doing right now? This is an assembly. Do you understand? He goes, I cannot away with. Is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Are we meeting? Huh? Now, granted, I'm not going to argue the point. He is definitely talking to the Jews in the book of Isaiah. No question. But y'all know all Scripture is written for our learning. Okay? I wonder, and I certainly hope not in this place this morning, but I'm not going to be that guy to go that it couldn't be in this place this morning because it could be if our hearts ain't right. Okay? I wonder how many churches are meeting this morning. God's going. I don't know what that smell is. I don't know what that smell is, but uh, that—that's that, that, odor to my nostrils, huh? If if our hearts aren't right, if we're just coming with, well, I'm going to go to church this morning. Well, you know, because I got to. No, this is a place of worship. It's a place of praise. It's a place where he gets his honor and glory. When we're seated here, we're up there with him already, Ephesians 2.6 tells us. We, I, you want know you know, to know why I think oftentimes in the Bible it, it says, fear the Lord? And we go, what does that mean? Well, I think it means exactly what it says. We just don't give God the reverence he is due. And we should fear him. We should, because he is a consuming fire. Amen? Yep. All right? So so more important than just bringing incense uh, at the proper time uh, and things to that matter is, and, and God doesn't even necessarily care about that. Really what he's looking for is the proper heart. You understand? And listen, man, I do think this is a big deal. Burning incense in the Bible. So, Pastor, you keep talking about this incense being prayer. What the heck are you talking about? This has nothing to do with prayer. Well, let's show you that it does, okay? Look at Psalm 141, verse 2. That's small. Come on. I'm bad. That's my fault. All right, look at it. It says, let my prayer, David says, be set forth before thee as... Incense and the lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. Notice how he is definitely relating that, no doubt about it, to the altar of incense. There's no doubt about it. Right? Look at Revelation 5:8. And when he had taken the book, this is when the Lamb takes the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them their harps and golden vials full of odors. Hmm. Okay, which are what? The prayers of the saints. Right? Uh Revelation 8. Go back. Go back. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you made him big, but I do need the next verse now. <laughs> and all the people said. Amen? No? Okay. I need the next verse, Aaron. What did Aaron tried to Aaron was trying to help me out? I appreciate him. Is it what is it? Revelation eight three and four I think, where he talks about is it on the board. Okay, there we go. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And we just read about that golden censer over there in uh, Exodus, right? And he says, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. I mean, if he's not talking about the altar of incense, I don't know what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of angel's hand. Listen, this altar of incense That incense that's burning is the prayer of the saints. That's what it is, okay? And so obviously, there is some very important uh, 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 points to be made. By the way, I just read you Revelation 5 and Revelation 8, which done hasn't happened yet, okay? Which means this tabernacle, this temple, is in heaven right now. Because remember, when Moses came down off that mount, he was supposed to build the tabernacle according to the pattern, which I showed you in the mount. What was the pattern? The pattern of what was in heaven. It was a a physical representation of something in heaven. And right now, you want to know where the Lord Jesus is sitting? At the right hand of the Father, taking those prayers and bringing them to the Father. That's what he's doing. He's interceding for us. Do you understand that? He's in that temple right now, sitting at the right hand of the Father. Notice how he's sitting. One day he's going to stand up. (laughs) And when he rises from that seat, get ready. (laughs) He could have done that over there in Acts chapter 7, right? He could have returned, but the Jews done messed up. Uh, But listen, it says, whenever the priest burned the incense, it was was a call to the people for a time of prayer. Look at Luke chapter 1. Watch this. And it came to pass that while he, this is talking about Zechariah, executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Now watch. And the whole multitude of the people were praying. Without, at the time of incense. Listen, there is definitely, without a doubt, no questions asked, a personal prayer time that we should all have. But there is definitely, without a doubt, no questions asked, a corporate prayer time. You understand? God just doesn't look at this like, oh man, cool. Those guys are doing good. God takes this stuff seriously. He uses prayer to kind of, it's kind of his, now listen, he doesn't need to judge you on your heart condition. He already knows your heart condition. It's how you know your heart condition. It's just like money, right? God doesn't need your money. You think he needs your money? You you think he's sitting up there going, oh man, Frank didn't give me any money today. What am I going to do? I don't know how I'm going to... No! He don't need our money. Okay? But he does use money as a measuring stick for our heart. Okay? Does the money have you? Or do you know where that money came from? Does that make sense? All right. So, So the fire burning the incense came from the brazen altar where the sacrifices were offered to God. Leviticus 16... Uh, 12 and 13 says, and he shall take a censer full of burning coils of fire from off the altar before the Lord and his hands uh, full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. I mean, this sounds an awful lot like these, these, this, so, okay, think about it, right? When you write incense, you don't write incense, you light incense. When you light incense, what, what happens? What comes off of it? Some smoke. What else? Especially if it's a, most times you can smell it, right? Okay, it's an odor. It gives off an odor of some sort. Look where the priest is supposed to bring it to the mercy seat. I do think that's interesting that he specifically says the mercy seat. Not the ark, the mercy seat. Why? Because who sits on the mercy seat? Huh? That's who you're bringing it to. Number 1646 says this. And Moses said unto Aaron, take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar, put on incense and go quickly unto the congregation and make atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. Wow. God's got, some, God's got something about this altar of incense that he's pretty serious about, and it's a place to go to for time of need. Does that make sense? And obviously, prayer, we know, uh, does that. True, true prayer... Uh, obviously, uh, is not a religious thing that we work up emotionally, although many do. Uh, rather, uh, listen, what true prayer will accomplish, why did he do that? What happened right after this event? God stayed the wrath. So, so what happens is, uh, true prayer, can I, can I tell you this? That's where we find our blessings in God. That's what true prayer will do, according to his will, not according to what we want. And and that's probably the biggest uh, uh, thing there. Uh, 1 Timothy 2.1. 1 1 Timothy 2.1 says, I exhort therefore, now look what Paul says here, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Uh, He goes on to say, be careful for nothing but in how many things? Everything by prayer and supplication with, and by the way, that's one of the wills of God, to be thankful in all things, right? Let your requests be made known unto God. Now, now, now James 5.16 tells us this. Confess your faults one another. Pray one for another that ye may be. Now, can I just say something? Because here's where I'm about to make some people mad again. You want to know what the issue is? We look at a verse like that, and we think he's talking about our physical needs, and that ain't what he's talking about, man. That's not what he's talking about. Go to Matthew six six. I'm going to show you something. Okay, everybody, head over to Matthew six. That's where we're going. I want to show you something that's important. Okay, look at, and he says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now watch this. Matthew 6 might be one of the most important passages in all the Bible when it comes to prayer, if we really understand want to understand it. Unfortunately, what I think what has happened is, uh, number one, I don't think people really understand what this prayer is. And number two, we've made it a Roman Catholic repetition verse. Listen, Jesus is teaching us something here, very, very important okay? Uh, if, if we were to go to, I think it's uh, Luke, uh, and and see the uh, cross-reference verse that speaks of the same thing here, the disciples come to Jesus, and they literally ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. Well, I, I don't know about anybody else, but that sounds like a pretty good thing right there. Like, yeah, teach us to pray, Lord. If, if you're going to learn how to pray, let's go learn about, let's go learn from the Lord Jesus Christ how to pray, amen? I like that. That sounds good. Now look what he says here, uh, uh, starting in verse five. He says, "And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily, truthfully, I say to you, they have their reward." Wow. So you mean we can pray in vain, and the reward don't sound like it's going to be a good one? You understand? He says, but, but thou, when you pray, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain reputations. And, and it's amazing to me how we took this very verse, these very verses, and turned them into a vain rep- 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 repetition uh, prayer. Okay, As the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Well, if you think you're gonna be heard, what's the... That means what? You can say a prayer and not be heard. He says they think they'll be heard, right? Be not therefore like unto them. Now watch. What do you think they were praying for? Because look what Jesus says right in verse eight. Be not you therefore like unto them, for your father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. So what do you think the... Pagans, were were praying about. Physical needs. It's exactly what they're praying about. Now watch. After this manner, therefore pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, is that physical or spiritual? That's spiritual. Hallowed be thy name. Amen? Okay. Thy kingdom come. Thy will. What does that say right there? Thy will be done. Where? As it is in heaven. What does that got to do with my physical needs? Nothing. Right? It says, forgive us or uh, give us this day our daily bread. Is he talking about giving us food? Right? <laughs> forgive us our debts. Is that physical? Right? <laughs> As we forget our debt. Da- Lead us not in temptation. Is that physical? No. Deliver us from evil. What is he teaching right there? He's teaching us how to pray, and you want to know what he's teaching us? Pray for your spiritual condition. That's far more important. And by the way, he goes on into the rest of this passage, and he says, hey, hey, don't you know, even Solomon and all of his greatness and everything he had, even the lilies of the field, all that stuff, don't worry about any of it. I got it. I know what you need before you even ask when it comes to physical needs. Well, you don't think I don't know that you need something to eat? You think I don't know that you need water? You think I don't know that you need clothes on your back? You think I don't know that you need a roof over your head? Like. If you're my child, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the rest of the chapter. If you don't believe me, go read the rest of the chapter. Okay. If you're my child, just like a dad would take care of and give his kid everything they need, you don't think I'm going to take care of your needs? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. I got that. But what's the kingdom of God? It's a spiritual kingdom. And what Jesus is teaching us is hey, now you go, well, so what are you saying? Well, what I'm saying is now go read all of Paul's prayers. Do yourself a favor and go read them. Don't just take it from, don't, don't just believe me or don't believe me because of what I'm saying. Go read his prayers. And I will argue with you <laughs> never once, never once. Does Brother Paul pray for a physical need? Oh, wait a minute, Pastor. Yes, he did. He prayed for that thorn in the flesh. Come on now. Oh yeah. Go read that. Now go read that verse with some eyes to see. And see if that's actually what he was praying about. Because you want to know what he was, you want to know what he said? That Satan doesn't buffet me. You think Satan was gonna buffet him physically? No, Satan was buffing him spiritually. Okay? There were some things going on up in Paul's ministry that that was causing some problems. That's what he was praying about. Go read all of Paul's prayers. He's always praying for our quote-unquote, and and, and, you know, there's more to it than this. We're going to see when we get to Ephesians, because we're going to talk about this, obviously, much more. He's always praying for spiritual enlightenment, spiritual wisdom, that our eyes would be opened, that we would see what we need to see. That's what he's praying about. Listen. Here's where I'm going to make some people mad again. I'm just trying to help you understand something, okay? Listen, let's say, okay, let's say I got cancer, okay? And and let's say Jim's got cancer. Okay, we both got cancer. Stage four, all out, trouble, all right? When we bring this to the church, right? And everybody in the church is praying that God would take away my cancer and take away his cancer, okay? Here's my problem with that. What happens when he takes away my cancer and Jim dies? So God answered the prayer for me, and God didn't it? That sounds an awful lot like God just chose who got to stay and who who got... I'm sorry, man. That's not my God. That's not my God. It's not my God. What I think is... what I and Listen, if you want to pray for somebody's cancer, I'm not telling you don't. <laughs> I'm just telling you, man. But if we're going to be biblical about this thing, it seems to me, it seems to me that what God's going is is, hey, I know they got cancer. I, I got that. If it's his time, it's his time. I, I got that, okay? What we should be praying about is my spiritual needs are met. What we should be praying about is the spiritual needs are met. That the family surrounding me, if it is my time to go, their spiritual needs are going to be met. That just seems to make a lot more sense to me because here's the thing, when you go back into the Old Testament and you look at the book of Psalms, the Lord praises the death of his saints. That's just crazy to me when you think about that. Like, we think of death as such a bad thing. God's going, don't you understand where this person is going to go? They're going to be with me? There's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more hunger. There's going to be no more pain. And you go, okay, pastor, I hear what you're saying here. I don't know if I totally buy that, but okay, watch. Let me show you some verses here and we can close it up. James chapter four. James chapter four. Why don't you guys turn there? Because I think there's some important principles here, and although it will be on the board, I think I want you to actually see it. Watch this. James says this. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? Now listen, if I'm praying for something physical, I'm praying, Lord, I really want this house. Please give me this house. Lord, I really want this car. Please give me this car. Lord, I really want this. Lord, I really want that. Lord, please help me with this. Lord, please. Is that the lust? Of your heart, it is. It's your lust. It's something that you want. It's it's a uh, uh, an idol. It's a covetous. It's covetousness. That's what it is. We all struggle with it. Be okay with that. I struggle with it. We all struggle with that. The riches of this world. We struggle with it. Okay. There is a reason why over in Matthew six, Jesus does say, "Lay your treasures in heaven," where. Moth and, and things like that. Don't corrupt, right? Lay, lay them in heaven. Don't lay your treasures on earth. He's trying, and again, right in the midst of him telling, teaching us how to pray. Interesting, right? He's telling us, man, listen. Okay, so so wants and needs, uh, uh, they're, they're lost. They are. And look what he says here. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not, because you ask not. Ye ask and receive not. Now, look what he tells us. Why? why? Why do you ask for stuff, and why doesn't God answer the prayer of what you're asking for? Well, here you go. He's telling us. Because ye ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your own lust. Did y'all see that? i out tells you right there. And he's saying you ask, which obviously you ask in prayer. So obviously that's what he's talking about. And what he's saying is, listen, the problem is, are we okay that if I don't get that house or if I don't get that car, are we okay with that? Maybe God knows something you don't know. And God's trying to protect you from having it. But you want to know what we do? Stupid God. Can't believe this. Doesn't he know how bad I wanted that? Doesn't he know how bad that? I needed that. God's just sitting there going, hey, man, I'm just trying to protect you. You really want it? Do you really want it? Okay. Go ahead. I'll give it to you. And then we wonder. And then we wonder. God. Then we turn the switch when all the bad things start happening, right? God, why? Why did you do this? uh, uh." (laughs) God. I tried to tell you, and you just really wanted it that bad. So go ahead, have it. And if you don't believe that, go read Romans 1. God will get to the point where he'll just say, okay, you want it. You got it. Look at 1 John 5. Look what John, our apostle John has to say about this. And this is the confidence that we have in him. Now watch that if we ask anything, period. What does that say right there? According to his will, he heareth us. I mean, if I had a mic right now, which I do, but I can't, I would just drop the mic right now and let's just go home. There you go. I mean, he flat out says it right there. If ye ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Can I say this? If we have to ask according to his will, how many of you know what the will of God is? There's seven of them in the Bible, do you know? Because if you're not praying according to his will, are you asking according to his will? That's not a hammer. That's not a, you bunch of pagans. That's not the, I'm just asking the question, man. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to help us see something here. This altar of incense is an important piece of this puzzle in the tabernacle. I don't know that James and John could say it any more obvious to us. Don't pray for lustful things. Pray according to his will, and he will answer. He's not obligated to answer a prayer that's not according to his will. Does that make sense? I mean, it makes sense to me. I don't know that it made sense to me 10 years ago. I I Honestly, if I was sitting where you're sitting right now and I was listening to this for the first time, I'd go, this dude's nuts. But the more I read the Bible and the more I get into it, the more I go, yeah, I guess that's exactly what he's talking about here, man. I had this thing wrong. I've been praying... Praise the Lord. Thank God for Romans 8. (laughs) Okay, doesn't mean like I'm I'm, 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 I'm some bad dude damned for hell now because I wasn't praying right. I had an interceder for me that was praying for me when I didn't know what to pray for. But I would say this, but hey, man, now that we're starting to get it, what are you going to say over there? Come on, man, let's get on board with God. Let's get on board with him and start asking things according to his will. Huh? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Here, as it is, that's what we should be praying about, his will to be done. And he is obligated to answer that. Lord, I know it's your will that all men be saved. Huh? Is that true? Yes, it is. I'll show you. There's a verse. Okay. I know. And my neighbor is not saved. They need to be. Lord, would you prick their heart? Lord, would you help me to help them? Lord, would you open the door? Lord, would If you've never... Prayed for somebody's eternal situation. I promise you that's according to his will. And here's the crazy part he'll open the door. He didn't promise, and he never will promise that that person will get saved because that's a choice. And that person is going to have to make that choice. But he will open that door. And the question is, don't just pray about it. When the door opens, are you going to be ready to answer? Because he will answer that prayer he's obligated to. And if he doesn't, then he lied. And God doesn't lie. Do you understand? Knowing what the will of the Lord is makes a big difference in our prayer life. It really does. Look at Psalm 66, 18 and 19. Look what uh, David says about this. this is, if I regard iniquity in my heart, what did I say? The Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. And if you continue to read in that passage, you'll notice that it was because David was praying according to his will. Go read it, man. Don't just take my word for it. Just go read it. Isaiah 59.2, he says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Being right with God is an important aspect of prayer. It is. I didn't make any notes. What's 1 Timothy 2.8? Do I got that up there? Oh, uh, yeah. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In other words, what? You, yeah, I know why I wanted this verse. Do you know what he's saying here? He's saying, listen, if you pray about something and God doesn't answer it, are you going to get angry at him about it? Huh? And better yet, Do you doubt him? Do you doubt him? You receive not because you ask not. Ask according to his will, and there ain't going to be nothing to be angry about, nothing to doubt because he will answer it. He will. But we have to know what his will is, we have to know what his purpose is. It's all about his kingdom coming. That's what it's about, man. This whole thing is about, and what happens when his kingdom comes? He sits on his throne where he gets his. That's what it's all about. Could you imagine if we were a church that prayed like that? That we just wanted God to get his glory. That we weren't worried about what we wanted. We weren't worried about I, me, myself, me, myself, and I, well, not a song. We weren't worried about those things, man. We were more worried about God getting his glory. What, What kind of church would we be in the world today if that's what we were worried about? Not worried about the benefits that we get from him, but worried about how he could benefit from me. What kind of world would that be? We're never going to see it on this side. We will see it when those heavens open and He returns. We're going to see what kind of world it can be. He'll show us. But until then, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Don't sleep. Wake. Wake up out of your slumber. Seek his righteousness. Does all that make sense? I hope. I'm trying to make a sense of it. Let me me close with this. Do I have Hebrews 7.25 up there? A couple quick verses here and we're done. Watch. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. That is what he is our advocate he is making intercessions for us. But can I just say this? He does not make intercessions for the lost. And he does not make intercessions for those that are not coming to him with a right heart. He's not obligated to. And then what happens is, as, as Timothy said, or what Paul said to Timothy, right? What happens is we get angry at him And we start to doubt him. But he's not not obligated to do those things. Do you understand? And whatever happened, whatever happened to him putting a hedge of protection around us? Sometimes we want things so bad, it just is not good for us. God knows we have a problem with that. You know what I'm saying? Each one of us has different things we have problems with. I don't know what your problem is, right? But I have a problem with football. I love football, man. I love my stupid cowboys who can't win a game. Okay, we got a dumb owner that doesn't know what he's doing. Okay, we haven't won a game. We haven't won anything meaningful since 1995. I was like, quiet down. It's because you're young. Listen, I love my cowboys, man. Okay, ah. Uh, through the years, I think you would ask my wife, my, my love for the cowboys has waned a lot. Now, maybe it's because they lose, I don't know. But but you know, sometimes God just doesn't give us stuff because he knows that's just got kind of got us. You know what I'm saying? And God's got to kind of be like, hey, hey, you, you be careful of that one there, man. You know? Uh, look, look, look what John says. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Watch with Jesus. Now, I don't think Matthew 6 is the Lord's prayer. What? I don't think Matthew 6 is the Lord's prayer. I think Matthew 6 is where the Lord is teaching us how to pray. I think John 17 is the Lord's prayer. Okay, and so I just want to show you a couple things in John 17, real quick. Uh, Look at what he says here in uh, John 17, verse nine. He says, now this is Jesus talking about his disciples. And by the way, if you read the whole passage, he isn't just talking about his disciples, he's talking about us. He he fast forwards the whole thing. He goes, I pray for them. I pray not. Y'all see that? Because the things of the world are what? John tells us. (laughs) Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Okay, He says, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. He's not praying for us for physical things that we... Name it and claim it. Hey, man. You pray for you, you. You pray righteously for money. God will bring it to you. Really? Well, I just don't know where that verse is because I have not found it. It's amazing what goes on in many churches today, man. It's crazy. Now, what is God looking for? That I would be glorified in you, and that's what Jesus is praying for. That you. Would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, so that his glory would be seen in and through you. Could you imagine if we prayed like that? I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil. This is what Jesus prayed for us. This is what he wants from us. Luke 22 uh, says this, right? And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Cheyenne, Cheyenne, Sarah, Sarah. Hey, Satan has desired, Robert, to sift you. And look what Jesus says, but I have prayed for thee that, they fa- that thy faith fails not. What does that have to do with anything physical? No. He says, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Hey, when Satan doesn't sift you, learn from it and go strengthen your brethren with it. Sounds to me like Jesus is concerned with something way more different than we're concerned with. Just sounds to me like it. And I'm just picking a few here. <laughs> I'm, I'm asking you, man, I'm begging you. As Paul would say, I'm beseeching you, go read for yourself. Find the prayers where Jesus has prayer for people. Find where Paul's praying for people and start reading what they're praying about. We can learn a lot from that, man. We really could. Finally, uh, I've made mention of this verse quite a few times, but I'll just make mention to it one more time and kind of give it to you. Romans 8, look, look, likewise the Spirit also helps our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Listen, if we know what we're supposed to be praying for, then why the heck would the Holy Spirit of God inspire Paul to write that? Because obviously something's not right, and God knows it. God knows where our prayers are going to... He told it. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6? As the, the pagans do. They pray for repetition, and they pray for what? God knows that's what we're going to do, right? He says, but the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercessions for the saints. What well, did I say right there? According to the will of God. That's what we should be praying about things that are according to his will, that his will be done. I know that's a tough one. I get it, man. I know we are so Charles Owenish. I love me some me, you know, I get it, I know I'm one of you. <laughs> Okay, I catch myself doing it sometimes. Even still, I get it. So I'm not telling you you're a bad person. You're evil. You're what do you do with your heretic? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is maybe as we think about this prayer thing, maybe if we could just balance it a little with His will, we'd be off to a good start, huh? Just maybe if we just did that, it'd be a good start. I think a lot of our problems today, man, is is without a question. And we all know this. We've been around this church long enough. And listen, man, as easy as it is to point the finger out there, because that's easy to do, because that means we don't have to look at ourselves. But we better take a look at ourselves. We better pull the beam out of our own eyes first. As easy as it is, we're Laodicean. Okay? We are all about me. It's all about what I want, how I want it, the way I want it. In America today, man, our opinions are are it. I mean, I, I, I'm not a big Facebook person all that much anymore, right? But how many times I see that IPO, it took me at least two years to figure out what that meant. I didn't even know what IPO meant. I'm like, what does IPO mean? I don't even know what that means, in my opinion. I-M-O-whatever. See, I don't even know how to say it right. That's how messed up I am. But I didn't even know what it meant. I'm like, I don't even know what this means. Um, it took me a long time to figure out what LOL meant. I'm like, LOL? What the heck is LOL? I don't even know what that means. It took me, lol. That's what I thought. I was like, what is that? <laughs> but listen, our opinions, there's times and places where our opinions matter. Like if I said, Hey Danny, what do you think of Robert's shirt here? Uh, it's pink. I mean, what do you think? Uh, it's mesmerizing. See, now his opinion matters. Okay, but, but 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 when it comes to God's word, our opinions don't matter. It <laughs> Doesn't matter what we think. It only matters what He says. Okay, and when it comes to this thing of prayer, this is a tough one, man. I get it. I understand. I'm just saying though, man, look, I'm I'm trying to show you some verses here to at least get you thinking. If that's all you walk out of here with, is you know what? When I read my Bible, I'm gonna start paying attention to that a little more and, and looking at this prayer thing and seeing if I can, if I can at least get you there, I think we're off to a good place. Because prayer is important. It is. I know we don't take it as seriously as we were supposed to. And can I say this? Men. I'm speaking to you now. We stink at a lot of things. Do you understand what I'm saying? We just do. We are not being the men we've been called to be. And I promise you, prayer is one of those one of those areas where we're not. We're not. We're just not. We're not leading the way we're supposed to be leading. I don't know what's going on with all you men on our Saturday outreaches. I'm just telling you, man, if you don't do it, what makes you think our women are going to do it? We got to step up the game here. We have to step up the game. This stuff's important. Prayer is important. I praise the Lord for every single one of you that come to our prayer night, okay? And I praise every single one of you that that, that go out to outreach, and I praise every one of you that are involved in our one touch, but we don't do things just because we got nothing better to do we're doing them according to what? His will. I promise you, everything we do in this church is according to his will. That's why we're doing them. I think me and Robert are pretty serious about that. We aren't going to do something just to do it. No, we're going to do it according to his will. And if it's according to his will, can I just offer you a suggestion as your pastor? That might be something you want to jump on board with. Just might be. Because the day of judgment is coming. And we are going to be held accountable for this stuff. I know we don't want to think that. But it's going to happen. That, all of it, is in you. You don't think God's going to hold you accountable for that? Because that is who? That's Jesus. Jesus. That's him. And he's in you. Alright, good? I gotta go home and watch my cowboys lose. <laughs> Who's the Jaguars playing today? That's irrelevant so too? What happened to the Gators last night, man? How did he lose that? That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's that's aggravating. It is. We're even playing the Bengals. See? They should have been praying according to God's will. All right. Father, we come before you, Lord. We just want to thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I admit to you there's so many things I fall short on. Lord, I am thankful and I am grateful that you're right there to pick me back up. And I am thankful, Lord, that you are interceding for me because Lord knows I need a lot of intercession. Lord, but I also know that I can't just stay there. I have to want, to desire, to be more like you. So Lord, uh, help me. Help me to get that burning fire inside of me. Help me to be uh, what it is you have called me to be. Lord, let me not just stay in the wilderness. Uh, Help me to take one step forward so that I can start moving closer to you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for providing us the blueprints that we can follow uh, if we truly do desire to be more like you. But I thank you for this church. I thank you for all that you're doing in this church. I thank you for uh, Wedstrong. Lord, again, uh, many, many, many valuable lessons that were learned. Uh, Lord, just uh, as we approach this Christmas season, Lord, uh, amongst all the, the fun and the presents and, and all that stuff, Lord, uh, as, as, as fun as it is uh, for the kids and, and for ourselves and things to that matter, and, and Lord, I love giving presents, uh, but just help us not to forget that you were the greatest present of all, and that your death on that cross is the most important gift that any of us ever could receive. Thank you for the blood that was shed. Thank you for dying the death I deserved. Lord, just give me the heart to love you like I should. Give me the heart to be what it is you've called me to be so that your purpose could be fulfilled, so that your glory could be sought. In this Christmas season, Lord, let us help remember it's still all about you as we turn the page from what seems like it's been an awful year I don't know what's coming in 2021 it doesn't just doesn't we just don't know Lord but I know this you were sitting on the throne in 2020 and you'll be sitting on the throne in 2021 too and so Lord let's just turn our attention to you know that your will is being done and know that your kingdom is coming We'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray, and all the people said. Thank you for listening to The Revealing, a podcast ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel. For more information about One Baptist Jacks, please go to our website, onebaptistjacks.world, or email us info at onebaptistjacks.world.